Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me, I have Alan. Hey, hey, coming from Cleveland area. That's Ohio. Ohio. And then all the way from Texas, we have Sean with us. Hello! <laughs> it's not a normal Sean intro there. No, not at all. How you guys doing? Good. Great. Not as good as you, sir, because I know what you just did today. What did I just do today? Kidding me? It's more exciting than a new car to, for me. Yeah, I got a new laptop. Got and a, a new, new guitar? Is that what that was? A new guitar? It was a ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> um, got it on the, uh, the old company card. Feel good about that. Got... Photoshop, Illustrator, Premiere downloading right now. I'm super excited. It's going to make Boomer Doom a lot easier. It's going to make all the graphic design we got to do a lot easier. It's obviously going to make the podcast a lot easier. That's the big one. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully it don't sound like crap anymore. Because last time you were on a borrowed computer, and in previous episodes you had to be on your special lady friend's computer. It's true, yeah. I sound like crap. I'm a shitty person. I shouldn't even be on the show. Thanks for reminding me. Perfect. This is a... (laughs) podcast about board games tabletop games role-playing games all kinds of games and i think we're mostly going to talk about world championship russian roulette because by the time this episode is up there'll be probably what like 10 days left until the uh kickstarter one week one week we're releasing it yeah on tuesday everything we do we try to release on tuesday it's a little bit of a theme we try to have here at tuesday night games so we're hoping to launch it on tuesday the 24th uh where do you want to start you want to start with well Well, what's left with world championship russian roulette what's big on our plate there I mean, there, there's a lot. I thought we were going to do like an intro of how we're doing before we get into this huge topic of I what's mean, going on. Right, are, sure. No one cares. No I don't one know. cares <laughs> about Sean's new computer or, hey, I think they do care about how your other podcast, it's super effective. Just got into what the top 200 of all podcasts on iTunes. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing, man. It's amazing. That means it's like in the same list with This American Life and Stuff You Should Know and what's the one with the journalist who tries to find the guilty guys? Serial? Serial, yeah. And Serial. You're right there with Serial, SBJ. That's amazing. Yeah. What's um, the next step from from here for you, SBJ? (laughs) I I mean, I know what it is. I want to hear what he's going to say. Yeah, it's super effective. Uh has been doing very, very well this year. And I think it's because uh, it's just reached more outlets. Um, I think the the Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Dungeons and Dragonites, I should say, my, my D&D podcast has, has helped a little bit with that. Just because I know a lot of new listeners are like, hey, I first discovered this gaming podcast you did. And I didn't know there was a Pokemon podcast. Which is always kind of weird to me when people go for that approach. Because... I don't know if you're looking for a Pokemon podcast. I think it's easier to find than a D&D podcast. But, I mean, if you're just looking at the top charts, the D&D podcast is sitting, like, right next to other D&D podcasts that are popular. But, uh, yeah, I started I started doing a lot of things this year. I started uh, Twitch streaming. I started this podcast. I started the D&D podcast. So I think there's just more outlets that kind of eventually trickle back to my main show. 
Um, and I, I think it also helps that a brand new Pokemon game is coming later this year. So it's just Pokemon is back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be back every like three years when they release a bigger game and it, it grabs media and then it's on people's mind and they start searching for it again. So I, I have a lot of things benefiting me and, uh, I poked into the top 200 in iTunes. Where are you at? I was at uh, like uh, the 185th or something. I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm still there. I, iTunes does a really weird thing with its algorithms. Like if you're a newer show, it it pushes you up a little farther. If you have a lot of reviews, it pushes you up farther. And then besides downloads, it actually takes in consideration of actual plays. Um, and no one knows the exact algorithms iTunes use, but that's I mean that's kind of most of them in a nutshell like are you new no well if you're not new do you have a lot of reviews yes so this is your next step sbj you're gonna get this podcast up there too so in order <laughs> to do that we have to talk more about dungeons and dragons sean i and... mean i talk about dungeons and dragons every week so i don't know how much more i could be doing <laughs> it's true and <laughs> what's the pokemon of the episode guys uh i don't know litten is pretty cool litten yeah pokemon i like of the episode. Uh... Bofa. I mean, Bo- Gengar's always going to be my favorite guy. Bofa? What is a Bofa? Bofa D's nuts! <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. <laughs> Jesus. I've been having uh, a good time. Cool. I'm excited. Hey, congrats, man. You deserve it. You work hard on this stuff. So it, it's cool. And you do a really good job describing all those Pokemon and all the things coming up, keeping people <laughs> abreast of the Pokemon situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like podcasting. I think uh, even if I'm not knowledgeable, I'll I'll just talk forever. So that's something. Do you want to move into some WCRR? Excuse me, Sam. Do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. What do you want to start? With? So you're sending out a newsletter. I'm assuming on Tuesday. Yeah, you got it. You got the whole little motif we got going on of tuesday yeah sean myself and i think you too sbj are really busy getting ready for this world championship russian roulette launch on kickstarter may 24th because one thing is we have to send out our newsletter as you mentioned we call it the newsday night newsletter people signed up for it on our website or they signed up for it at conventions and we have I think 2,500 people that are signed up, 2,500 plus. So we're sending those out. And then we have to let people know who uh, previously backed us on two rooms and a boom. So we're letting them know about all things. But you know what else? We're not just letting them know about World Championship Russian Roulette, SBJ. You know what else we're letting them know about? Uh, I would assume this podcast. Yeah! And this will be the first time we're actually marketing this podcast. So hopefully we get a little blip blip from mentioning the podcast on uh, the this newsletter and whatnot yeah and the newsletter comes with mind meld the game uh you and your mother played last week yeah exactly so every newsletter we release a free game mind Meld. hopefully people aren't pissed because this one's not a free print and play it's like a folklore game and I've just been working really hard because it's finals time so I've just been in bunker mode grindstone mode where I'm just grading, and when I'm not grading, I'm working on World Championship Russian Roulette. I have to get the Kickstarter page pre-approved. We have to you know, do some final things with the video. 
again, so much stuff. We have to figure out the pledge levels, the stretch goals. We got to get that all in stone in basically a week. Oh, my. You have a deadline, though, so I think that that not makes things easier, but you know that these things have to be done by then. Uh, mostly just World Championship Russian Roulette and other Tuesday Night Games business stuff. We just wired money to uh, the Essen Spiel people for our booth at Essen this year. We're going to Essen. That's pretty exciting slash terrifying. No, I do not speak Deutsch because I won World War II and I don't have to. I particularly didn't win World War II, but some people <laughs> I know did. Okay. What else has been going on? Um, you brought up a wrangling. convention. I don't want to. I don't want to forget. But we will be doing a live podcast at Gen Con, and I think Gen Con tickets go on sale tomorrow. We're recording this on Saturday, actually. So they'll be up. It will be ready by the time people listen to this. So if you're listening to this, you can uh, actually start registering for events at Gen Con, and one of those events is our live podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have the the game ID number here. So if you're listening and you want to search, I all you have to do, from my understanding, is just search Tuesday night, and it should come up. Uh, but the seminar or the game ID number is SEM one six eight five three five zero, and it says I like I've never registered for an event at Gen Con, so maybe Sean and Alan could speak more to this. It says that will be able to hold 250 people. I assume that's accurate. That's what it wow. says. That's, I hope it fills up. That, yeah, that's for all of our listeners. <laughs> Times two. The event cost is $0. Huh. It's going to be in the Westin room number capital three at six o'clock on August 6th, which I believe is the Saturday. Oh, wow. Right. Prime at time. the same time that the world championship Russian roulette final is happening because on Friday at one o'clock, two o'clock and three o'clock, people can sign up to compete at Gen Con with the actual world championship Russian roulette tournament. Same thing on Saturday, one, two and three. But then the finalists from those first rounds compete at six o'clock. So while we're doing our podcast thing, people will be determining who is the actual Gen Con world championship Russian roulette player. We're doing the same thing at Origins. It's another thing I've been doing, getting ready to give away our freaking free games duel. So I've been organizing those, putting them in little plastic baggies, printing out the rules, rolling them up into scrolls. Just so much stuff. Oh my goodness. Just busy, busy, busy. So much stuff. Nice long silent pauses makes it easier for me to break. Um, I do want to ask, you. I do want to ask, since World Championship Russian Roulette is launching in a week from this podcast airing, how did you get Anthony Birch to sign on? Like, where was... I don't think you ever told where that initial connection came from. Oh, you want the Anthony Birch story, huh? Oh, for that, we're going to have to turn to Sean McCoy, because it all started with Sean. Basically, uh, Donald, who we talk about all the time, Donald Schultz from Board with Life, uh, just shot me an email and said, hey, you know, I've got a friend. Uh, he, uh, you know, works at Gearbox and he wants to design a board game and he's got this thing. And I was wondering if you could email him um, or if he could email you and ask you some questions about like what publishing a board game is like and that kind of thing. And I said, yeah, sure. Um, that's not super uncommon to get, you know, just like 
what are the uh, manufacturers and you know what I mean? How much does it cost? Does do these components sound crazy? And so Anthony and I emailed back and forth for a couple weeks. And then maybe a month or two later, uh, Donald said, Hey, I'm having some people over to play some board games. Do you want to come? And I said, sure. And, uh, I got there and I met a guy and I was like, Hey, I'm Sean. He was like, Hey, I'm Anthony. And I was like, Oh, cool. What are you doing? He's like, I work at uh, gearbox. And I was like, crazy. I've been emailing a guy named Anthony who works at gearbox too, about this game he's been working on. And Donald was like, yeah, that's him, Sean. This is that guy. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you're that person <laughs> that I've been talking to. And so, uh, we played his game. Uh, World Championship Russian Roulette. I guess it was called Spin Click Boom at the time. Um, that night, and it was very early beta. Um, and uh, he asked for some feedback, and then uh, I asked Alan to take a look at it and say, hey, is this game, you know, I think this game would be pretty cool in our lineup. Thematically, it fits. You know, it's it's a party game, all this sort of stuff. Blowing up the president. Blowing, blowing up people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it go fits. hand in hand, right? You got a bomb in one hand, the gun in the other. And I sort of just said, hey, uh, do you think we could get this there? Could you take a look at it, play it, you know, see if it's uh, something within our wheelhouse? So I played this game and right away contacted Sean and said, dude, there is something here. Just a few little and and it is gold. So I showed it to my Tuesday nighters because we have a party every Tuesday night. And we played it, and it was so compelling that we talked seriously like three hours straight about the game and the potential and different directions it could go. It was really fun, really exciting. So then we contacted Anthony back. I mean, that all makes sense, but while you guys were playing it, I guess my question would be like, what charm did you put on that made Anthony go, okay, I I want you guys to publish my game? Here's what we did is when we contacted Anthony back, we said, hey, we want to have a reputation that treats designers really well. So we're going to give you all the resources that you would want on who you may want to contact, but we will totally publish this. So the idea was that we would be totally open and transparent and basically be almost like an agent for him saying, Hey, you can talk to these people. You can talk to these people. They'd probably be interested in your game, but we're also interested in your game. Hopefully you'll go with us. And he actually considered going on his own and we provided him some more feedback. And he said, you know what? I'll go with you guys. And so we signed Anthony Birch and it was amazing. (laughs) Oh, ah, ah, best part of that whole deal. Getting to meet him for our Kickstarter video. The guy's a hunksicle. He just—he really oo- is. He really oozes charisma. He's a super nice guy. He's really generous, and you know, since I learned who he was, I went back like, all right, who is this Anthony Birch guy? Watched all the Hey Ash, what you playing videos. Went ahead and watched Rocket Jump on Hulu as well. It's one on Hulu. Saw Anthony Birch in those and learned a lot more about his writing style. And it's just like, man, this guy's legit. He's a very talented gentleman. And I say that word with the intended meaning of gentlemen. So you guys are talking about how like stress and how there's a lot of work to be done before the Kickstarter launch. Do you know where Anthony stands on that? Is he just going to tweet out the link or where, where is his involvement with the actual Kickstarter? You know, he's like, uh, he's like a lot of designers, you know, we keep him in the loop with things and he can be as involved as he wants to be. But basically I think from here on it's, we're strictly in publisher ground. He'll be, you know, helping with the marketing and sending out tweets. And I think he played it 
uh, one of the prototypes on a Twitch live stream with a rocket jump a couple weeks ago, you know, Which I um, missed. I wanted to find and I, I want to see that, but keep on going. Ugh. Yeah. So I, you know, um, every publisher designer relationship is different in terms of how involved they are, but Anthony's been great to work with and, uh, is really excited about the game. I think it was really cool. Um, Alan brought him a prototype copy to take home when we shot the Kickstarter video and he was just really excited to be there and did a great job in the video. Um, so I'm excited to see what, uh, the Kickstarter sort of what it becomes and where it goes. Yeah, we really have to square away our pledge levels and if we're going to do stretch goals and what they're going to be or what our even goal is. Because the reality of it is, the man behind the curtain is we're not exactly sure how much this game will cost yet. So our goal needs to be based upon how much the manufacturing is. We definitely have estimates, but we got to make some really hard decisions. And one of those is pledge levels. And after this podcast, and SBJ, let me know your feedback. I thought we would just have $1 pledge level, get the updates, because that's what happens when you back a game for whatever money, you get the updates, mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. can leave comments. Then the next pledge level is the actual game. And then after that, and Sean, I'm basically asking you this, too, if this is cool. Maybe a retailer level? I don't know. Maybe retail level that didn't go so well last time, but I think it was because a lot of retailers had yet to hear from us. I think this time there'll probably be a lot more retailers, so we could do a retail level where you're getting six copies of the game. But could yeah, names in the rule book for like a platinum bullet level, or is that too much of in the ass? It was, it was a hassle for terms and a boom um, in terms of like losing that extra page, formatting all the names. Um, it'd be easier if we also weren't doing you know like. What do you call it? Um, flags Sexual and stuff favors. like we did last flags. time. Yes. Yeah, the flags were really the hard part. Just downloading all those flags. Yeah, I guess it really depends. We should look at the breakdown. Something like 95% or something ridiculously high like that, maybe just 80% of our pledges for Tombs and a Boom are just one person, one copy of the game in the United States. Um, like we could have we could have lost every, all the money we made from all the other pledge holes combined and still been at like, $75,000, I think, something like that. Now, it was definitely nice to get it up over 100, um, especially since you lose 10% for Kickstarter and Amazon. But the vast majority of our pledges, I think, from past experience, are going to be one person, one game in the US. Yeah, that's the other big question that we need to answer, Sean, is are we having shipping all over the world? And well, doesn't Kickstarter do that automatically now where you don't have to do like, this is the European pledge and this is the Australia pledge? Like yes. So you don't have to separate it out. So the cool thing is in the back end, you just have a pledge level and then you have shipping options. And the options are this doesn't require shipping one country only or multiple countries. And then if you click on one country only, you select which country it is and then you add on how much shipping there is. So right away, Kickstarter handles that on the back end. So you as a backer, you say, oh, it's a $35 game. I'm going to back it. Oh, wait, it's charging me $40, something like that. But then if you add multiple countries, it's the same thing, but you have to choose which country you're getting delivered to, not on which pledge level you choose, but it knows where you're coming from. So it automatically adds it on. So the, that's one thing that we could do is say, hey, this game is $35 shipping included and that way people aren't surprised when they click on it 
or we just have this game's like 35. To, I'm making up this number 35. I'm not sure if it will be or not because we're still trying to get the components and we have to keep stretch goals in mind and all that jazz. But do we just have one pledge level $35 for everyone across the world? And when they click on it, automatically says, yeah, because there are some countries that we're not really able to deliver to. So if you have Kickstarter in that country, I'm not exactly sure what happens if you say, let's just suppose we're not going to ship to Canada. Probably not the case. It's just a random choice. Hey, I'm from Canada, okay? and I uh, want this game. Click. Sorry, doesn't deliver. I don't know what Kickstarter tells you if you're not one of the countries. I just don't know. I have no idea. We can deliver pretty much anywhere, um, which is good. I'm always in favor of just setting the different shipping tiers for the different countries. I have some data on that now from the last Kickstarter of how much it costs to ship terms in a boom to you know Japan or Russia or China or whatever. Um, and so we could at least put that in. Hopefully we can bring down the shipping numbers a little bit. Um, but it's one of those things that like people sometimes forget like, hey, we need this Kickstarter money to produce the game. And part of that is your shipping money. If we lose money shipping you the game, then running the Kickstarter was pointless to begin with. You know, And so hopefully we'll be able to come up with a good solution there. You mentioned stretch goals. Yeah. So SBJ. Yeah. So uh, do we do stretch goals? Do we do stretch goals? Because I think there's a lot of integrity and elegance to saying this is how much money we need to make the highest quality product possible. There you go. Or do we allow stretch goals and then uh, the margins change based upon how many stretch goals we unlock? For instance, here we go. Now we can get a thicker box and now we can get thicker components. Do we do that or do we just say it, it makes it a lot harder behind the scenes because when we get a quote from our manufacturer which is panda we have to say all right how much for this version of the game okay but how much more for a better box and how much more for like the ultimate game and it's not as easy as a grocery list because they compound interestingly for instance if you just go to the grocery store, you know, milk costs this much money, eggs cost this much money, but if I want the deluxe eggs, it costs that much more money, and it doesn't make a difference. But when it comes to manufacturing, when you start combining different things, it changes the overall price. There's some mystery and smoke there, too. So it just becomes where we're not just given a list of an itemized, this is how much this costs, this is how much this costs. We have to tell them, this is what we want, and then they just tell us how much it costs. Well, how about with this, then this much? So, And the real I big guess. thing is, like, we still have to sell these things at retail. And so even if we can afford it, with the backer's money, if if it makes the game cost too much to begin with, you know what I mean? We'll never be able to sell it profitably at, like, a hobby store, you know? Um, and that's always something you have to consider, is that, like, okay, take this component, multiply it by 10000 and it's going to raise the base cost of the game up, you know, $0.07, cents, but that's going to put us, you know less money than we could make off selling it to a distributor. There's all this sort of sales points um, that you have to consider with stretch goals uh, as well. That was a mistake we made with two rooms and a boom. We had so much quality upgrades in the box that it was no longer viable for distributors because the rule is you take the cost of manufacturing for the game and then you double it, and that's what you sell the distributors. The distributors double that and sell to the retailers, and the retailers double that, and that's what they sell to the consumer. Well, if we had done that with two rooms and a boom, the retailers would be selling it 
for a lot more money than $25, something like that. So it just wasn't viable in distribution because it was too quality. And the perceived quality, unfortunately, wasn't there because a lot of people don't even realize that the cards are plastic. So we don't want to make that same mistake with World Championship Russian Roulette. We don't want it to get so quality that we no longer can sell to distributors because then it kind of dicks over the friendly local gaming stores. Quick, sure. tiny correction. Distributors typically don't double it for the retailers. Um, they're usually only making 10, 20% of what they sell to the retailer for, something like that. Quick correction on your correct correction. I've heard of them quadrupling it sometimes. No, I'm just lying. I just, <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I was wrong. Last question before we move on to what we've been playing. So I, I, I think after backing so many Kickstarters and talking, this should be a Kickstarter podcast. We talk about it so much. I'm more for the simpler Kickstarters. Back in the day, I probably, well, I mean, I did pay $50 to have my name in the two rooms in a boom book. And, you know, in retrospect, worth it. it it's fine. It's whatever. I probably wouldn't do that again. I'm not, and I'm not saying that you guys should or shouldn't. I'm just, I'm just speaking out loud. But do you think it's to the point? This is my question. Do you think it's to the point where Kickstarter is more like um, a marriage proposal? You're not going to put, you're not going to propose to somebody if you are not sure they will say yes. And so when you're, so when you're saying that you want the highest quality Kickstarter and maybe that will or will not play into stretch goals, like you're not going to put this Kickstarter live knowing that it might not meet its goal. Like, I think you guys are probably pretty confident that the Kickstarter will succeed. We're pretty hopeful. I mean, based on what we did on Tier Rooms of the Boom and based on, you know, Anthony Birch's, you know, notoriety and our notoriety, um, the podcast, yeah, I feel like we've got a reasonable chance to succeed, um, at least for a very small print run. Kickstarter is a huge... You know, it's great for getting money. It's also great for testing the market. I mean, we want to know whether we have, like, a moderately successful game to plan around or a very successful game to plan around. It's also just one of the best ways at this point in board gaming to get the message out about your game, that your game exists, you know? And so like, well, I think we have, I would say optimistic confidence that like the game will fund, you know, what we're looking for is a game that, you know, does really well and signals to us like, okay, we need to put a lot of resources behind this. We need to focus a lot of our marketing behind this. We need to focus, you know, our website behind this, that kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Well, there you go. Shut up, SBJ. <laughs> table talk. So we got a list of games we've been playing. I uh, went to Minnesota last weekend and I brought some games. What? You have games? I brought, I'm so I, excited. I brought some games. So these are the games I brought. I brought Two Rooms and a Boom. <gasps> I brought Mysterium. I brought uh, monikers and I brought <gasps> the lounge. Ooh, I've never, I've never heard, heard of, of lounge. that. Sounds uh, like somebody's gonna do an elevator pitch. But so. here's the question: You brought them, but which of those did you get to play? The big twist is I played none of them. Oh, <laughs> oh. The lounge, the lounge was a Kickstarter. It's it's just like it's like werewolf, but more mafia. I don't know which came first. I think Mafia came first. Mafia did come first. Yeah, so, so it's just it's, another name for Mafia? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just Mafia with more character cards like it's Werewolf. Ultimate Mafia. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I didn't get to play any of them, and I, I kind of wanted to talk about that. Do it. You know, you have, not my party, of course. I went for 
Irene's sister was throwing a party. That's why we went to Minnesota. She told me to bring group games, hence why I brought like the lounge and two rooms of boom and monikers. Real and then quick, I, what are your thoughts on her sister? I like her sister a lot. She's very nice. All right, cool. Continue. Sorry. So, and then I brought Mysterium just in case it was just like direct family, uh, like the night before or the night after that we could do. And we didn't play any of them. When, when everyone, so at a party, whether there are games or not games, obviously you could introduce games at a, a party. There are, everyone's talking, everyone's having a good time. I don't want to be the guy that goes, hey, everyone, stop what you're doing and do this that might be more exciting. I always, I guess because I didn't know everyone there, I didn't want to be as assertive and be like, hey, I brought these games, let's focus on these, not what you're doing. And so I just didn't bring it up and we didn't play anything. Even though, like, I was told by Irene and her sister, like, you should bring games. Story of my life, bro, happens all the time. People lure me in, suggesting, we'll get to play games. Bring your favorite games, and we'll play them, Alan. We will play them. But I don't want to be that butthole that says, hey, guys, I thought we were going to play games. Stop doing what everyone's doing, and let's start playing games. So I just try to play the humble card and just hope the entire time that someone comes up and says, hey, you want to play some games? I thought we were going to play some games. Then I can jump all over it. I'm sitting there, and in my mind, I'm just full of rage just waiting. <laughs> but my face is, okay, yeah, it's cool. Party. Yeah, we're having fun. We're talking about things. In my mind, why am I here? I'm here because of a lie. When is someone going to ask to play some games? Okay, cool. I'm glad I felt like the same way. And that was my weekend. And uh, yeah, that's that's my table talk. <laughs> Sean, what about you? I played uh, D&D as per usual. Uh, my players are going through the Golden Barge, which is a module I picked up from uh, the Hill Kittens blog, hillkittens.blogspot.com, uh, and the Hydra Collective. I think I even backed it on Kickstarter. Super great module called the Slumbering Ursine Dunes. And uh, it's pretty fun. I'm getting really interested in, and I think I've talked about this before, in boss mechanics, like stealing from Dark Souls to have bosses that do different things depending on what's around. So if you all swarm up around it, it does one thing, you know, um, but it's slow so you can run away from it. I really want my players to engage with bosses in an interesting and meaningful way, like you do in Zelda, you know, as opposed to just, well, we've got a lot of hit points, you've got a lot of hit points. Let's just line up and attack each other until one of us dies. Um, I notice my players are thinking about combat less and less as a player to, uh, problem to be solved. And so that's sort of something I'm trying to correct by having unique and interesting bosses. Kudos again. You're the GM, man, because I can't agree with you more. That's the way it should be. I've always wanted to play Dark Souls, um, and I wanted to back the Dark Souls Kickstarter, but it's ridiculously expensive. Um <laughs> If you really want to know how Dark Souls feels, you know what you need to do is play the board game. Because once you play the board <laughs> game, then you know. No, that's not a uh, quick little anecdote about me being a GM, because I tried to do the same thing. Had an unstoppable boss that was too big in the cave. And the only way that they were supposed to be able to defeat the boss was by attacking the stalactites above so that they would fall down and strike the boss in That's the cave cool. yeah thanks you can borrow that if you want to but here's the one little chink in the armor my wife's playing and she walks up to it she's playing this barbarian character india is her name 
And she says, I'm going to try to decapitate it in one swing. And she rolls a critical success. And keep in mind, when I'm playing, this is Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, not Dungeons & Dragons. In Dungeons & Dragons, what's a critical success, Sean? 20. Yeah. But in Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, it's a D100 system. So mm. she has to roll a freaking 100. It's actually like a zero. And she rolls it. So I'm like, damn it. You decapitate it. Man, because 1% chance. You, yeah, 1% chance you have to reward it, as opposed to the 5% chance with the 20 cider. I guess I could have done something like, you cause a grievous wound, and how are you going to finish it off? But I just knew that I should really reward the 1% chance Absolutely. because it's, it's a big deal. So I'm like, yeah, you just owned it. And then everyone laughed, and it was a memorable evening because we all got to laugh about how you were supposed to attack the stalactites, but Crystal D, I mean, first thing, too, is like, this monster's like, I run up and try to decapitate it! And rolls the <laughs> dice. So didn't even so have time. Yeah, and she was so happy. It's, amazing. it's cool just seeing, like, I'm always open to unique solutions, and if they have something that will solve the problem, you know, early on in our campaign, they ran into a blue dragon, and I thought it would be a dragon that they could basically handle at their level, but, um... One of the characters that MK was playing, a guy named Billamy, steps out in front of the others while they're about to attack it. And he says, hello, Mr. Dragon. What say you to a deal? And he just talks in this goofy voice because that's how the guy talked. And like the dragon was so confused, he basically sent them on a quest instead of attacking or killing them. And I was like, well, yeah, they defeated that encounter. I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> I think you did the right thing. Thanks. Yeah, I, we wouldn't be talking about it if I hadn't done that because it made it all that more memorable. Speaking of memorable, what games did you play this past week? Here's a list. Dark Moon, Stealing Mona Lisa, Dark Moon, Avalanche at Yeti Mountain, Dark Moon, I See What You Did There, Dark Moon, Chimera, Dark Moon, Dragon's Head, Dark <laughs> Moon, Gossip, Dark Moon. The only reason I'm saying Dark Moon so many times is because Sean put it on my list. I accidentally put it to it and it's dumb. I only played Dark Moon once, but that was my second time ever playing Dark Moon. I thought, but yeah, thought we talked about Dark Moon before. Before we did, it's it's Battlestar Galactica light. Was it's the dice base second time just as good as the first? I can't remember no. if you liked it or not. It wasn't. I really liked it the first time. The second time, it showed some of its flaws because first of all, the entry level, the learning curve, it's pretty steep. So it took us a while before everyone was comfortable with what was going on. It basically took about four turns, and there were six of us playing, but the game was over by the seventh turn, so only one person got to play twice, got to go twice. So it was like, oh, well, that was a quick game, and half of it we didn't really know what was going on, and the other half was everybody but the infected losing. So I'm not sure if that's a typical experience or not, but yeah, needs... I'd I'd be willing to play it again for sure. I just would hate to wait too long where we have to relearn everything. Mm -hmm. That's a big barrier to entry is how much do we have to relearn? Like Dominion, boom, I can just put it on the table. I already know how to play. It's done. It's tattooed into my brain. <laughs> but Dark Moon, it's like, all right, there's... Uh, and then you got to... Where do I put the... All right. All right. Hold on, guys. Let me turn these pages. All right. But do you guys want to hear about one of the other games, or I could keep on going on about Dark Moon? I'm always done to talk more about Dragon's Head. Dragon's Head. I mean, should we even talk about Dragon's Head? Because 
that's that's a game that we're going to publish, I'm sure. But uh, I just like mentioning it. Yeah, Dragon's Head's good. It's based off a of sheep's head. It's maybe we'll tell you guys about it someday if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll be a free print and play game that we offer at first with our Newsday Night newsletter. If people sign up for our Newsday Night newsletter at TuesdayNightGames.com, boom. What about gossip? Oh, gossip. Well, what should I be? Because it sounds like I'm stepping in the elevator. Let's make this quick and painless, guys. You are a gossipy gal gossiping with your other gals. Ding me, SPJ. Why, hi there. What's going on? Did you hear about that one thing over there that the one guy was doing? I wouldn't talk to him at all. <laughs> because we've just been playing this game Gossip. It's all about hidden roles at the office workplace. And all you need to do is try to find who the gossipers are before morale gets to zero. How do you do that? You just accuse people. But accusing the wrong person removes uh, office morale. Yeah, so make sure that... Uh, yeah, only accuse people that, uh, you know, are the gossips, yeah. And speaking of which, I hear that uh, Sean had VD at one point, but that's, uh, you didn't hear that from me. Oh, that's it. <laughs> that's a easy pitch. Is this, yeah. is this, a, is this like a print and play game or is this a real game? Kickstarter. Come on, SPJ. <laughs> Kickstarter. It's a total Kickstarter. It's a uh, real game. Is it a real game? Uh, the answer is Kickstarter. <laughs> That's the answer. Perfect. Is it, is it good? I mean, the pitch sounded good. I would say... No. <laughs> okay. So, so the way the mechanics work is... I love Hidden Roll. Yeah, you do love Hidden Roll. I do too. So does my group. Uh, it's the resistant proportion. So like two spies, everyone else is resistance. And the way it works is... You play action cards uh, and you get certain action cards, but the action cards have double meaning to them because not only they have action, but there's also either plus one, plus two or plus three on them, or there's minus one, minus two, minus three on them. So it ranges from minus three to plus three, I believe. And the way that works is you have to vote sometimes on whether you're going to accuse someone or if you're going to boost morale. And so people play these cards face down, shuffle them up, reveal them, and if it's overall negative score, morale reduces. Morale starts at like nine at the beginning of every round, it reduces by one. If it gets to one or zero, gossipers win. If you accuse someone of being a gossip and you're wrong, morale decreases by two. So it's all about racing to find out who the gossips are before time is up basically before gossip gets too low but the problem is you're limited by your cards because we could be doing a vote and all i have is negative cards and of course i say all i have is negative cards you can say whatever you want and they reveal like all right sure sure so there's something there but if forced with the either or decision of good or not i would say not especially compared to other social role games but i'd totally be willing to play it again I'm just basing it off of a lot of people's responses. They're like, that that was a Kickstarter game. Well, I mean, like, week after week, I can't imagine every game you play is amazing. That's not true. Have you guys ever played... Oh, crap! Don't tell me. Don't tell me. XCOM. Oh, man. <laughs> Ink and Gold! Oh, yeah, you do love Ink and Gold. I played that once. It was pretty good. 
everyone loves ink and gold at least once. Sure, you can get sick of it. You play it again and again. But by next week, you're willing to play again. It's so quick. Going in deeper or running away? Going in deeper or running away? Ink and gold it. reminds me of For Sale, and I love For Sale. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. For Sale is yeah. a good game, too. We should talk about that sometime. We should, but speaking we should. of time, Chessbeard is pointing his freaking peg leg at me. Uh, yeah, I think that wraps things up here. Uh, the next episode will be the next time Kickstarter we were, launch. Yeah, Woo! it'll be Kickstarter launch. So uh, hopefully by then we can have everything finalized. So if people who haven't checked out the Kickstarter page, we can let them know what's on it at least so they can go over there. But uh, Alan, where can they find you? Find me on Facebook. Although this is a story for another day, guys. Maybe I shouldn't be accepting all these friend requests because I've been uh, saving some of these conversations. Uh, we're talking about serious solicitation going on, but uh, I'm still accepting any friend request. Alan Girding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding, D-I-N-G. I'm also on the tweets at Alan Girding. And Sean? You can find me at, at Sean McCoy, S-C-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. You can also follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter at PlayTKG. And if you have any feedback or emails to send in, you can do so at podcast at Tuesday Night Games. Actually, maybe uh, next week we have like uh, we have like three or four emails that we can probably address uh, next week. So maybe we'll do that. No promises though. And yeah, otherwise, I believe this episode is. Finished. <laughs>